Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Thank you, Alan, and worship team for leading us in such wonderful truths as we sang. Really, just such great truth this morning. Truth that really helps us um, as we think about even our message today and the love that God has for us. Thank you, Hamilton, for leading us in, in that sweet prayer as well. Today is a special day in the David household. It is a milestone day because my young daughter is 10 years old today. And so we're thankful. You won't be able to see it now, but she's blushing and she's smiling underneath her mask. Cara, we love you. All right. Now we get to hear from God, so please take your Bibles, and we're going to turn to the book of Galatians once more. As you know, we are working our way through this wonderful epistle about the doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This fundamental truth that we need to understand and get right in order to understand how to relate to God. And so turn with me to chapter 4. And we'll read from verse 1, and the emphasis of our text today is from verse 8 to 11. But let's read God's Word together. I mean that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak, and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. As I was studying, studying these passages again this week of verses 8 to 11, I could not help and think about Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam from the Lord of the Rings. I'm sure most of you are familiar with this story. These two young men 
who are on this incredibly difficult journey to Mordor to destroy this enslaving ring that seems to have this evil power over them. And there were many times where this journey became so difficult that at different times Frodo and Sam wanted to turn back. Instead of going forward to what is unknown, they wanted to turn back to the comforts of their home in the Shire. But in those difficult moments, the one hobbit will talk to the other hobbit and have these conversations to help the other one focus on what they need to do. So they can keep moving forward and not turn back. And perhaps all of us have encountered times like these in our lives where it would be easier for us to go back because the way forward seemed to be too hard. Maybe it's been your career. We've tried to go forward and pursue this new industry or business, but it seemed to be too hard and so you went back to what you used to do and know. Perhaps it was a relationship with someone else trying to make it work. And they're so different from you, but it ended up being too hard and you'd rather turned away from it because it's easier to go back to the way it was you, it used to be before. And I wonder, perhaps for some people, if this is how Christianity feels for them. That the way forward with Christ is too hard so they need a break from church, a break from other believers, and basically a break from God. And what happens then is it seems easier to just go back to the way your life was before this whole Christian thing came along. To go back to what you used to know and do because doing what God says seems to be too hard and confusing. Instead of living as someone that is truly free in Christ, you have the sense of being trapped by what God expects of you. And so you go back to living in a way that feels like you constantly have to do more. In our text today, Paul is helping us see that this is where the Galatians are. That for them, the way forward with Jesus seems unclear and difficult, so they are vulnerable to the lie of wanting to go back to what is more obvious and easier for them. They're busy deciding that what is familiar makes more sense. And basically, they're in the process of going from adopted sons of God back to living like slaves and orphans in the world. Instead of going forward in the Christian life with this new, unique cry, a cry of dependency and trust, they're wanting to turn back to a life that was all about what they did in their Christian experience. And they are about to squander their spiritual inheritance. I mean, last week we talked about going from slaves to, be, to being sons of God. And today, Paul is talking about Sons of God who are going back to being slaves. Perhaps you recognize that there are people around you who might be in danger of doing this. So the question for us today is, 
How do we help people go forward who want to go backward? How do we help people go forward who want to go backward? How do we help those who feel they need a break from the Christian life? How do we help them keep going forward instead of going back to, to what they think is easier? Do you know of someone who is in this position right now? Perhaps at some level, that person is you. Paul is going to help us today by giving us three conversations we need to have with someone who is busy going backward. Someone who is going back to living like a slave to their former way of living. Three conversations that can help them see, by the grace of God, why anyone who had been adopted by God would want to go back to living like a slave of the devil. And so there's some passion and concern and emotion in these verses again. He has tried everything he can think of in the letter to the Galatians to help them see what they are busy doing. He reminded them of the power of grace in his own conversion. In chapter 1 and 2, he appealed to their personal experience with the Holy Spirit in the start of chapter 3. He argued with them based on salvation history and doctrine, Galatians 3.15 onwards. And then last week, he argued from the fact that God says, I don't want you to be my slave, I want you to be my child. That their adoption came at a great cost. But now he appeals to them in these verses based on his relationship with them on a personal level. Paul is getting personal again. Highlighting how much effort he has put into them to help them understand the true gospel of justification by faith alone in Christ alone and living every day as a beloved child of God. And if we really understand this this massive truth of what it means to be adopted by God from verses 6 and 7, to know we are the children of God because the Spirit of God enables us to have this new sound, this new cry of Abba Father, then it makes total sense why He would speak so passionately and personally with the Galatians who are busy turning their back on their truth. Because the same is true for us. It's when we appreciate more and more and more what it means to be a blood-bought child of God, that it makes sense why we would pursue others who say they are a child of God, but turning their back, living like slaves to their own efforts and idols again. And so if we're going to help each other move forward in this church, instead of backward in the Christian life, Let's look closer at these three kinds of conversations we can have with someone who is busy going backward. In the first conversation, you want to talk about, does your life look the same as before you became a Christian? You want to sit down and talk with someone and help them see, does your life look the same as before you became a Christian? This is verse 8. 
Paul writes, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. You see, one of the ways we help someone move forward in the Christian life when they are busy going backward is by helping them see how they became a child of God in the first place. Because they can be reminded of what they were like and how God rescued them from all of that. And perhaps as they think about this, they will recognize if they are living in that same way as they did before. Paul is helping the Galatians consider what their lives were like before they came to know God. What their lives were like before they came to experience God's grace in Jesus Christ. I mean, last week we talked about what we were like before we were adopted by God. Paul is now wanting to remind them of the extent of that when he says, formerly, when you did not know God. And the emphasis is here on knowing God. Because a slave to false religion and your own efforts is someone that does not know God. Because it's one of the first things every person must acknowledge. That before their eyes were opened to the truth through the Spirit of God, they did not know Him. They were blind to the things of God. They were unregenerate. They were in total darkness. They were outside the grace of God. They were spiritually dead. They were outside the realities of eternal life. Because Jesus said what eternal life is, didn't He? John 17, 3. How did Jesus put it? And this is eternal life that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so clearly going from not knowing God to knowing God has huge implications in someone's life. But it's also obvious that knowing God is different from knowing about God. Isn't it? It's one thing to know things like creation and sin, the cross, heaven and hell and the so-called Christian life. And then knowing the one who is eternal life. And so thinking about your life before you became a Christian is a helpful way to evaluate if you are indeed going backward. Because the question will be, is your life starting to look the same as it did before, before you came to know God as your Father? Because Paul then describes what this looks like to them. He says, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. You see, for the Galatians, before they came to know God, they were enslaved to their own religious efforts and idols. Because essentially, their pagan worship, this godless pagan worship of things that were not gods, was the same as worshiping your idol. Think about it. When a Buddhist bows down to this man-made idol and puts confidence in how they pray and make an offering to this idol, they are trusting in their own efforts to get a certain result or a blessing. This person would fear punishment or the possibility that something bad might happen in their life because they've made these so-called gods upset. Now think about it here in Africa. Anyone with a history in African traditional religion will know what I'm talking about.
And so you have to do something to make them happy again. Paul says this is slavery. This is slavery. This is a kind of bondage to that which by nature are not gods. And it's not that these gods have any real power to do anything. They're empty, worthless idols. We saw this in our study of the Ten Commandments, right? Especially the first two commandments. But what Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians 10 is that what lies behind these idols is part of the real problem. How does he say it? 1 Corinthians 10, 19. What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. And here's the thing. We know we are all idolaters before we knew God. We were all making sacrifices in our lives to please the idols in our lives, which is an enslaving life of evil. And someone who is going back from living like a son to living like a slave to their idols is someone that is pulling back from the grace of God in their life. Thinking and living in a way that honestly says, I love my idol more than I love God. I love my idol more than I love God. This is someone that might be thinking that the past way of living seems more promising than the future. Because it's more familiar. It comes more naturally to me. That what I used to know and do brings me more joy, if I'm honest. And so you want to help them recognize that if that is what they're thinking, they are not truly understanding Christian freedom. They are busy enslaving themselves again to a life that is powerless. To a life without grace. A life that promises satisfaction, but inevitably disappoints. And so part of this conversation to help someone move forward instead of backward is to help them see that they did not know God before, that they were stuck in a system of idolatry, which is a life of trusting the lie of the idol and the devil more than trusting in the grace of God. And God saved them from that kind of life. But they're busy going back to that kind of life before knowing God. I think we can all know how enticing our pre-conversion thoughts and actions can be. I mean, a great example of this in history is that of Augustine. Augustine, St. Augustine, he was struggling with sexual purity and it drove him crazy. He wanted to move forward in the Christian life, but it felt almost impossible to separate himself from his sinful, enslaving past. He wrote many times talking about having these murmurings, these voices from behind, plucking away at his back, trying to get him to turn his head back instead of looking forward, instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus. And when the way forward is hard for us, we might just be as tempted to go back to all those seemingly innocent little habits and worldly pleasures that are constantly calling us back to a life of slavery. Calling us away from the one who truly knows us. 
Because next Paul moves from the past to the present. You see, to help someone move forward in the Christian life and not backward, not only does the conversation need to happen about what their lives looked like before they knew God and how that changed when they did come to know God and then actually evaluate if there are any similarities to that former life, but the second conversation that can help them move forward is by asking, do you realize God knows you more than you know Him? This is kind of big. Do you realize God knows you more than you know Him? This is verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? This but now is one of those remarkable buts in the Bible. Because Paul is highlighting the contrast between the life the Galatians have left behind as people who did not know God, who are totally ignorant of Him, to people who do know Him, but more importantly, are known by Him. Do you see this? This is a remarkable truth that we can so easily overlook in this passage. Because look at what Paul is saying here. At first he's like, now that you've come to know God, and then it's like he's having this beautiful gospel clarity moment once again. Because what does he say? then say next? So it's almost like he corrects himself in the moment. Or rather, to be known by God. He's like, it's actually not just that you know God, it's that God knows you. And this is a significant truth that every backward-moving Christian needs to hear. That Christianity is not about how much you know God and supposed to do all these things to know God or show everyone else around you that you're someone that knows God, but that God knows you. But what does it mean to be known by God? Well, it means that God knew you way before you ever came to know Him. As one commentator says, it means to be chosen by God before the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1.4 It means to be the apple of His eye. It means to be hidden in the shadow of His wings. Psalm 17.8 It means to have your name written in the book of life. Revelation 20.15 It means to know that it's your Father's good pleasure to give you His kingdom. Luke 12.23 It means that you have His constant love and attention on you. But think about this even more, because it also means that even when you have these honest thoughts where you say to yourself, I don't feel like I really long for Him. Here's what Paul's saying. The truth actually is, He still longs for you. He constantly longs for you. Paul is determined to explain to the Galatians again that all they have in Christ is all grace. There's no room for one scrap of human effort or work in knowing God. Rather, it's that God is the one that knows you. In other words, true Christianity is not a matter of what we know or what we do. It's a matter of who knows us. 
And it's not like God just knows your ID number or, or where you live, like every other marketing company out there today. Knows all your spending habits and all the insurance needs you, you might have. It means that He knew you even when you were a slave and did not know Him. Miraculously working out all the details of your life so that you can know that He knows you. And that His knowing of you fundamentally changed your life. Because it cannot be the same as it was before. It means His sovereignty has chosen you to be His adopted child and nothing will change that reality. To Abram, God said, you are known, you are chosen. To Israel, God said, out of all the families of the world, you are known. You are chosen to be mine. And when you responded by faith to that moment, when God opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel, by seeing your idols and turning away from those enslaving idols, and turning to Jesus and trusting in Jesus, embracing how God loves you because of Jesus, then this choosing sets you free to keep on looking forward. Understanding that this choosing has always been His decision. Romans 8.29 For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those who He justified, He also glorified. It's always been about what God wanted to do and who He wanted to know as His children. And not about what you and I ever do or will be able to do to make Him know us. And that truth can help the backward-moving Christian turn their lives around by the grace of God because once again they come to realize and see the commitment, the real commitment God has toward them in Jesus Christ. Even when they sense they are not as committed to Him or going back to that former way of living. Before they sensed His hand upon their lives. I just love how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 8.3. He says, But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. See, the true child of God loves Him because that love for God comes from the fact that they are intimately known by Him. It's not a love that they have to generate themselves in the hopes that it'll be enough. To live one day of somewhat holiness and obedience. It's a love for God that flows from the love that He has for you. But Paul is then like, if that's true, then we've got to be able to ask the hard question. How can you, who have been chosen by God, Adopted by God, no longer a slave to your idols and own efforts, want to turn from the one and the only one who truly knows you. How does he say it? How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? 
And look how Paul describes this process of going back. He says, you want to do it. You want to do it. The Galatians were not being forced with a gun against their head. They wanted to do it. Which kind of makes you think of the the whole nation of Israel again, doesn't it? Being so afraid of the giants and the, the uncertainty that awaited them as they were going toward the promised land, they wanted Moses to lead them back to Egypt. Instead of moving forward, they wanted to go back to what is familiar. Even to a life of slavery. And sometimes part of the conversations that with a backward-moving Christian, is getting to a place where people can honestly admit and say, you know what? I want to do it. I want to go back to what I know. I want to do what is easier for me. But then we must help them see that what they desire so strongly is in fact weak and worthless. What they desire so strongly is in fact weak and worthless. Paul describes this as the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. And look at what Paul's doing here. Because you remember last week we said the elementary principles of the world has to do with human religion and human traditions. That in the Galatian context, he is talking about a life of enslavement under the law. A life of trying to be right with God by adding your own works to the gospel. And what Paul is doing here is he's basically saying that the Galatians are, instead of going back to their former pagan ways of worship and human effort, towards these false idols and gods that are not really gods, that they are now going back to slavery under the law. And as one commentator says that, to revert to the law keeping is like to go back to their former life of slavery and paganism. Which means, Paul is saying that even trying to keep the law to be right with God can be idolatry. In other words, trying to keep the law to be right with God is the same as demonic pagan worship. And so you can imagine, this would have been a shocking statement to the Galatians and to the Judaizers. Because we know the Judaizers were all about the law. And now Paul says that if you go back to making the law your way of being a true child of God, it's just like you're busy with pagan, gentle worship of false gods. And this makes sense because Paul explains how. He says you observe days and months and seasons and years. And this word observes means you diligently stick to the requirements. And this process of going backward happens in stages. We see it because first they started to observe the Jewish days, like the Sabbath. Then it turned into months, and months turned into seasons, and seasons into years. And eventually what's happening is it's going to lead them to full-blown circumcision and becoming the Jew they think they need to be to be accepted by God. And so on the one hand, you might be talking with someone whose life is reverting back to what it was like before they were a believer. A life that has no real interest in God. But perhaps for others, that is a life of trying to be accepted by God, by being so focused on your own efforts that your legalism 
is like paganism. Your legalism is in fact like paganism. An idol of wanting to please God that eventually all they can see is that the Christian life is just full of all these rules where in fact now the church feels like a prison. And because everything feels so strict, it makes them feel burned out, tired, because they don't want to keep the rules anymore. And eventually this causes them to want to distance themselves from God and His people. Where they used to come to church every week, right? But then it becomes once a month, once a quarter, then eventually only Easter and Christmas Day, progressively going backward to a life of not knowing God. But is God saying through all of this, if you're truly my child, I am for you. I'm always there for my true children. So why would you want to go back to that worthless life when you have so much worth in Jesus Christ? Which leads us to another important conversation. First conversation with the backward-moving Christians is about their former life. Do they recognize what God saved them from and are they starting to live like that former life again? The second conversation is about knowing that God knows you. That He chose you before the world began to be His adopted child. A truth that helps you move forward based on what God has done. Because His love and commitment are always toward you. Even if you might be in a place where you don't feel the same way about Him all the time. But the third conversation is, do you see what investment God has already made in your life? Do you see what investment God has already made in your life? This is verse 10. Paul writes, I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Paul is now really getting personal. He is amazed that he must even have this conversation and it's causing him to think that perhaps everything he has done for them has been a total waste. And it brought him to a place that he was expressing his fear for them. He's concerned for them. And it's because he had real reasons to be concerned, right? He was talking with the backward moving Christian who, who need to lovingly express, and we need to lovingly express our fear and concern for them as well. We need to let them know that you're afraid that if they continue going down this road, then their lives are going to be wasted as well. All the investments God has made in their lives will be wasted. You see, for Paul, his whole life was connected to those who would come to know the gospel of freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going backward in the Christian life is impacting him directly. Because he doesn't see his ministry as this disconnected idea where you have the sheep in the one corner and you have the shepherds in the other. He thinks about the church family like Jesus did when he said, I know my own and my own know me. I mean, think about how he expresses his connection with believers who love the gospel from 1 Thessalonians 2.19. He says, For what is our hope 
or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. But the Galatians are busy turning their back on the investment Paul has made in their lives. Which means they are turning back on the investment God has made in their lives. See, one of the ways we can help the backward-moving Christian is to help them see and appreciate all the different ways God has been pouring into their lives. To help them see the great lengths other believers have gone to to help them move forward in the faith. All the labor and sacrifices that have been made to see them be more like Jesus. Like the amount of time and resource going into helping them understand God's Word. The amount of time and resources spent in discipleship. The amount of time and resources that were spent with them in counseling. The number of sacrifices made to help them when they have felt alone. When their life was falling apart. When they needed a shoulder to cry on. When they needed to be, to be with family. Even someone who might be lovingly having the very conversation with them about them moving backward in the Christian life. All of this is done so they can understand and experience the gospel of true Christian freedom. And so they can experience the love of Christ, which means part of the conversation with the backward-moving Christian is then to help them contemplate whether they are truly a child of God. Which is always based on what God has done for them in Christ and based on the investment God has made in their lives through different people and not based on the investment they made by themselves. Coming to a place where you realize you don't deserve any of it. But as John Stott says, it's one thing to say, I don't deserve it. It's another thing to say, I don't desire it. I prefer slavery to sonship. And so this expression of fear for them was like a warning to the Galatians. A warning. A warning that was meant to wake them up from their foolishness. And here's the thing, if someone doesn't give a rip about the warning then they make it clear that perhaps they are not Christ to begin with. Your love for your worthless idols can make the riches of the gospel seem worthless in your life. That is a wake-up call. To the Thessalonians, Paul said, 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, to fear, for fear, that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. To the Philippians, he said, Philippians 2, 16, Hold fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And to the Corinthians, he said, 1 Corinthians 15.1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
your conversations with the backward moving Christian can help them move forward once again. You can help them see what it really means to be a Christian. Because genuine conversion is not someone that keeps on living like they used to. It's not someone that is only interested in Christ on Easter weekend and Christmas Day. It's not someone that is willing to forget all that God has done for them in their Christian journey. Rather, we know that genuine Christianity is looking forward by faith. Even when the Christian life is difficult and uncertain. To look forward when your feelings are saying, let's go back. Let's go back. It's saying no to those desires of the past and the feelings of the present. It's knowing that God knows me and loves me, and even if I'm like a rebellious child. And knowing that He loves me like that helps me to appreciate what He has done in my life through so many other people. That He's actually given me a church family that loves me and are willing to have these conversations with me. That the idols I love are worthless and that Jesus is worthy. And that He's worthy of all of my love and devotion. And so as we are having these conversations, we can see that they center on the gospel. They center on what Christ has done from start to finish and not what we have done for ourselves. Paul is showing us his heart for the Galatians in this letter. He's showing us that there are times where we must ask the hard questions. We must help others evaluate what is really going on in their lives. And that involves helping them see if their lives are busy looking the same as as it was before they knew God. Helping them see that God is actually the one that knows them. And if He knows them, they will love Him. Helping them see the, the investment God has been making through other people in their lives for such a long time. And by considering all these truths together, by the grace they can, of God, they can move forward once again. We really need to thank God for church family where we can help each other have these conversations. Yes, this is Paul, the shepherd, talking to his sheep. And many of the elders in this church have to have these difficult conversations with people in this church. But I want you to be equipped to go out and have these conversations with each other where needed. Because Jesus is worthy. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for just this reminder and this warning again today that we can so easily want to turn back when the way forward seems so difficult. Father, we pray that you would help us to have these biblical conversations with the people we love, with people who say they are children of God, to help them see that their lives should not look the same as it used to, to help them see what are some areas they are making some compromises, to help them see how much you know them, how much you love them. And help them see all the 
the treasures and riches they've already experienced and the investment you have made in their lives. All the sacrifices that lie behind their understanding of the gospel, which first and foremost shows us the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself. Thank you for such a great love that you have towards us, that you do not allow us just to go astray by ourselves. And thank you that we can have these gospel-inspired conversations. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.